This is American Real, where we aim to inspire, empower, and enlighten you through the stories of our guests. Here's your host, Roger Brooks. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Steve Wollenhaus. You are the CEO of Weatherology. You're an author, podcast host, speaker, and entrepreneur. Weatherology focuses on disseminating weather information to local radio stations. And by the end of this year, that list of stations will exceed 1,200 in total. You understand what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur and create the equanimity we all crave between work, health, and our relationship. Steve, it's an honor. Welcome to the show. Likewise, Roger. Thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm doing great. And look, it couldn't be any better than having you um, at your set, which is the outdoors. That's that's yeah. that's your real life set. And I so appreciate that you are in the outdoors right now. Yeah, no, this is my backyard. It, it's never ending. So um, just the way I like it. So social distancing has never been a problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. And Steve, give us a little frame of reference because you're constantly outdoors doing video posts, which are so instrumental and uplifting and uh, thought provoking for sure. Is, do you typically just go out in your backyard? Is that where you are? Where, where, where do you do most of those posts? Well, you know, I travel a lot, of course, this past year was the exception, but resuming that this year as we speak. So, you know, I take people on my adventures with me if I'm uh, at some location and I feel inspired, I do some videos. Otherwise, most of the work I do here with my creative team is uh, just over those hills and over those uh, tree lines where you'll find wolves and cougars and you'll find uh, black bears and uh, deer and fox and all sorts of things. And there's a beautiful river that separates Minnesota, Wisconsin, which uh, a lot of the waterfalls and uh, rocky topography. I'm blessed, and but it's a critical part of my life and I'm a big advocate as you know Roger of being outdoors and uh, centering ourselves with a little humility because that's how I find humility is being outdoors and experiencing those things on a daily basis and reminding myself how small we are especially at times like this when it's easy to think we're maybe a little bigger than we are with our strong opinions about everything. Oh you're so right um, and Steve if you don't mind can you take us back to when you were a youngster when did all this start? with the outdoors, with the weather. I'm just trying to track, you know, the connect the dots backwards, if you will. Um, bring us back to those younger years when, when you were growing up. What was it like? What were some of your um, inspirations to get you to uh, become a meteorologist? And then, of course, today, running your own business as an entrepreneur. And it's all about the outdoors. No, it, it is. I grew up in a small rural town not too far from here. And my best friend who is now a doctor of agronomy, uh, PhD in agronomy. I grew up working on his family farm, a massive uh, dairy farm. And we would spend time picking rocks, combining corn, cultivating fields, taking care of livestock. So I developed this appreciation for the outdoors, for animals, and for the hard work that farmers in this country know all too well and developed a deep respect for that lifestyle. and. Uh, that was instrumental in developing a work ethic, not to mention my remarkable parents, both my mom and my dad, 
and I was blessed to have great parents, very entrepreneurial. They owned radio stations growing up. So it was a combination of all those things. And then, of course, being in the radio business at a very early age and being able to be on the air. My first radio show was when I was 15 years old. And as part of my responsibility, of course, we'd have to cover tornadoes and inclement weather, which up here is it's the Super Bowl of weather, Roger. We've got uh, you know, life-threatening winter situations and dangerous summer conditions as well. So I developed a passion for those things. And, um, and it just so happened that uh, the number one TV meteorologist uh, in the country at the time worked at the NBC affiliate here in town. And I uh, was proactive and reached out, developed a relationship, got an internship uh, in my junior year of college. And uh, he was definitely um, pivotal and pushing me to the next level as far as going off to get my degree and, and he and i started a business together at the ripe age of 20 and uh, we went our separate ways but each uh, have tremendous respect for each other to this day so i was blessed with the opportunity but i created much of that opportunity by being aware and tapping into my surroundings and the opportunities that were given to me and uh, exploited those to my full potential and uh, almost 40 years later uh, I look back on those events and feel very fortunate that I had the opportunity uh, to have an opportunity like that to begin with, and then to have the ability to discipline myself to capitalize on those opportunities and uh, make the most out of it. Wow, that's fascinating. And I could just only, you know, I think about, I was trying to, you know, figure out about how old you were at that time when you started your business, but you said one thing in there that really resonates with me, and that's you you had someone that kind of took you under their wing, right? And uh, was it sounds like a mentor and a pivotal person in your life. Um, how do we know to look for those signs, especially being a young person? You know, how do you know that, okay, this, this might be a good opportunity for me? Um, because if we're not aware and present, sometimes we may miss those opportunities. And look at your life may have been completely different if you didn't connect with that person. No, you're right. And I think in my particular case, you know, I was always fascinated with the broadcasting industry, grew up in radio. So television was kind of an extension of that curiosity, not to mention my passion for weather. Uh, I kind of steered naturally into something that made sense for me and realized that the educational part of it was critical to get the credentials I needed in the form of the AMS seal to provide me with a greater opportunity to get into the markets, the big markets I wanted to be in as far as TV is concerned. And then from there, I quickly realized that I was more entrepreneurial and wanted to start my own business. And that was a product of my mom and dad who were also uh, mentors for me as well. But to answer your question, Roger, I think for a lot of people, you know, we have to actively go seek those things. I think far too many people wait around believing that they'll have some random encounter with a person like that. And that will offer some epiphany that translates to this life-changing event. And, you know, I look at everything in my life. If I'm intrigued enough to want to pursue something, I know I've got to put all the things in place to increase the prospects of encountering a person like that or improving my health or improving my professional opportunities. And that takes some, you know, premeditated thought and, and a plan. And so for me, I know that this person who I admired was somebody that for most people seemed untouchable and uh, you know, alienated from any opportunity to meet a person like that. So I was creative and clever and took you know, the initiative to create an opportunity to meet that person. And the encounter that we had 
from that first meeting, which was supposed to be a 15 minute meeting, turned out to be a three hour meeting. And then that turned into me offering to do some things for him that he needed before he offered me the internship. So, you know, I think, you know, you understand it's, it's that ambition. It's that drive at age 20. I wasn't partying. I wasn't doing the typical stuff college kids were doing. I was interning for free, working 40 hours a week, focused on my education. And um, so as much as I'd like to believe that, you know, good fortune and those things are part of it. I really, truly believe it's, it's your desire, you know, to want to be successful and then you need to go out and make that happen. It's not going to just accidentally fall into your lap. That's just my belief. Totally, totally, Steve. And yes, I mean, as you're talking, I'm thinking about how you manifested this, uh, but you manifested it with hard work in mind. You didn't, didn't just say, yes, I want to, you know, connect with this person and then voila, it's going to all happen. Um, you said something else in there that was really important. You worked for free. People today seem to, you know, have this entitlement mentality where, you know, things should just happen for them. But I think today more than ever, would you agree that it is really crucial to go above and beyond, work for free if you need to, in order to get to the place where you want to go? Well, I mean, you know, you and I both know, you know, high profile people, they're very busy. Um, they have very limited time. And so far too often, I think people have this misconception about what those mentorship relationships are supposed to look like, believing it's a one-dimensional, transactional type relationship where this person provides me with some benefit. But my belief was I need to do something for this person to make them interested enough in me where they would take their time and recognize that this might be an exceptional person that has a very different and probably healthier perspective on what these relationships are supposed to look like. And as a product of that, um, you know, I did catch this person's attention, which led to them offering me opportunities that other people probably dismissed. And I think many other people that maybe had been in line for that were unwilling to work. Uh, for free because they felt it was beneath them or a waste of their time. But I did that for two years, Roger. And that was 40 hours a week while I was in college. And um, the funny part about that story, after two years of doing that, I was sitting in Paul's office one day, the phone rang, and the person on the other end said, hey, I could hear it plain as day. I'm looking for somebody that can come and be my next main meteorologist. Do you know anybody? And Paul said, yeah, he's sitting right here. And if you don't hire him, I'm going to be really disappointed. And he <laughs> handed me the phone. And that was my first opportunity. So after two years of doing something that most people probably wouldn't be willing to do, the sacrifice paid off instantly. And from that, you know, that opened the door to coming back and working for Paul less than a year later. Uh, because I had made such a good impression on him. So it's funny how these things fall into place and it's not a coincidence. It's how we handle things. That's why you and I both, I think, are such big advocates of, you know, the time and effort you put into those relationships are, are so critically important because you just never know when you're going to need to have somebody go to bat for you or somebody may reach out and maybe need some help from you from you and i think we've seen a lot of that over this past two years especially where you know so many people have been adversely affected by circumstances beyond their control and i've seen so many good people do so many positive things for people that needed some help and it's been it's been really good to see yeah no absolutely um so appreciate you sharing uh, that backstory with us because it kind of frames you know where you are today and 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 i'm able to at least wrap my head around uh, some of your journey. Um, 
but Steve, before we get off the topic uh, and into some of your entrepreneurial initiatives, um, I would like to stay on the topic of the outdoors because I was thinking about something this morning as I was preparing for our, our time together here. And that is, I, you know, you would know better than me, but I would venture to say a vast majority of the people alive today don't spend too much time outdoors going for a <laughs> walk or a hike, you know, because we're in our day-to-day -day routines up, you know, go to work, go to school, you know, race home, eat, you know, watch TV. And, and, and I really think that's lacking. I started hiking about, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. And it's the greatest thing I've ever done because it gives me time and space to, to create and just to have, you know, sit with my own thoughts. Um, so I would love to get your take on that. And if that's something that you're seeing as well, that we need to get more people outside. Oh, I, I totally agree. I mean, you obviously know the benefits of being outdoors and, and it truly is for me an essential part of my daily routine. I do very intense workouts. So these are like recovery walks that I take and I walk briskly, but I'll walk for hours. When I travel, it's not uncommon for me to walk for four or five hours. Uh, you know, I was just on a trip in Colorado and I literally would hike 15, 20 miles a day. And, um, and it was, uh, I just disappear, fall off the grid, discover interesting things and uh, just like you said, spend considerable amounts of time on my own, uh, on my own thinking and, and, you know, allowing myself to be in a creative place where I'm afforded the luxury of being able to address complicated things before they become a problem. So for our company, for instance, you know, many of the changes that companies this past year were forced to address and modify uh, in, in response to, you know, we had put in place 10, 12 years ago working from home here we've done for 20 plus years and uh, artificial intelligence we put that in place before google did 14 years ago so you know and so we're, we're working on the next challenges and believe it or not we knew this was coming and so two years prior to covid we had been well prepared for a major setback of some sort didn't know it would be that exactly but we had had conversations in preparation for what i felt was going to be a 40 percent correction in the market, which happened, but this is what precipitated it. So, you know, we just, um, we, we think ahead, we plan ahead, and that's part of, you know, I, I think really that's where a lot of folks struggle with the leadership side of things is because they're so busy, meetings every 15 minutes, overscheduled, uh, overextended, uh, health and those things take um, you know, they're, they're not as important as they should be because it's kind of an afterthought. I'll get to it if I have time. For me, it's like, I'll take the six hours today, thank you very much, and spend that focused on doing what I need to do to be a better leader, to be more calm, to be more patient, you know, to do all the things I need to work on. You know, a lot of these things I talk about, Roger, you know, a lot of people reach out, man, you seem to have all this stuff figured out. Hopefully you do after almost 40 years, but I can assure you in my 20s, that wasn't the case. I was a raging entrepreneur and very immersed in success and building a business. And if you got in my way, I'd step on you because I don't have time for this relationship stuff and leadership stuff. Just you're supposed to do this. So, you know, it's the it's the benefit of learning over a lifetime of, you know, coming full circle. And now I'm proud to say that, you know, we are in a place where. We have a leadership team that's remarkable that does most of the work and I do very little, which gives me exorbitant amounts of time to focus on the things that allow me to do what I do best and focus on those few things that I do well, you know. No, for sure. And Steve, 
some of the posts that you do are are they um, some of them spur the moment or are they all kind of planned out um, ahead of time? No, I mean, I, I do a lot of the videos I do are spontaneous, but, you know, I always have thoughts. My mind's always going. So whenever I go off to shoot a video, I'm always, you know, thinking about what it is I want to say. And so um, I don't just naturally go do videos and um, just hope that something inspirational comes to mind. I usually have a specific thought that I want to try to relate. Uh, if you don't mind, I just want to play one of your videos that you posted recently. It really resonated with me and I'd love to get uh, your reaction and then the reaction of, of your um, engagement from your audience. So bear with me one second here. Life isn't fair. Dwelling on the obvious will get us absolutely no place. Social, economic, genetic disadvantages exist. It's an undeniable fact. Believing the government will be our salvation is a choice that often leads to futile outcomes inconsistent with forward momentum. Our only recourse is to take personal responsibility to push forward with a little imagination and use the technology, mostly our cell phone, that we have at our disposal to engineer a much more promising future. That was a great uh, video. And as I say, it resonated with me uh, timely. And what prompted you to do that particular post? And what was the feedback like from your audience? You know, I think, you know, the vast majority of people, you know, they understood what the message was because we all know that these differences in economic reality are, you know, uh, a, they're, it, it's far too easy, I think, for people that want to provide people with motivation to just presuppose the person they're talking to doesn't have obstacles because maybe the obstacles they had weren't something that this other person, maybe that lives in another country that's dealing with. And I can give you some examples uh, that I think will help relate my point. But, you know, I just think we're living in a time, Roger, where, you know, there's this succulent idea that's circulating that's making people entertain the possibility that maybe there's a better alternative to a way of life that I think a lot of folks have taken for granted because perhaps many people don't get the benefit that I have of being able to travel and meet people from other countries that have much less but yet oftentimes their attitude and their disposition, their demeanor is far better than many people I meet here in my own country because they've learned to appreciate, you know, the challenges they do have and they've refocused on the things that truly matter most. And I'm always inspired by that because people with very little seem to have so much mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And so I think it's very difficult for people that have never experienced that to appreciate you know, what life is like in a place where there's real challenges, there's poverty, there's economic opportunities that are virtually impossible uh, because you're living in a situation that just, it seems desperate and dire. And so I meet a lot of people. I have people reach out to me from all over the world. I've mentored uh, young African-American men for almost 30 years. And so my message to them always, and one of my prized uh, protégés is a PhD now, who teaches at a high school here in Minnesota. 
who oversees the winningest wrestling program in America. They've won 17 state titles under his tutelage. When I met him, he was a young, angry man, 16, who had five brothers all killed in gang-related violence in South Chicago. So it's very easy to meet somebody like that. And the message they often hear is, you know, we'll take care of you. We'll help you out. We'll be there to provide the support that you need. And one of the first conversations I have with a person like that, once you penetrate that calloused, you know, external guard that is so rigid, understandably so, you know, some trust is created. And then you get to the point quickly where I say, listen, you know, you have to ditch and abandon believing in that because nobody is going to help you, unfortunately, beside yourself. But the good news is once you get on that path, you'll meet a lot of remarkable people that are going to be there to lend you a helping hand because there's plenty of great people that want to help somebody like you that's eager and very ambitious and driven. And so the doors open, happy to say he was able to get a free education, you know, uh, and he made the most out of it, straight A student. So, you know, I know these things are possible. I've had a 14 year old Nigerian young man reach out to me on Instagram two years ago. And he said, excuse me, sir, don't mean to bother you. No, you're busy. But I have $100 and a friend wants me to invest it in this. What are your thoughts? And I said, never do that. Learn to manage your own money yourself. And I'm going to teach you how to do that with a couple of simple steps. I'm not involved. I'm going to show you where to go, what to do. And he's invested that money, multiplied it now over the past two years considerably. And his life is changing. And I said, use your phone not to mess around on social media, live vicariously through these fat cats that, you know, make this big dream look easy. It's not easy. Your road is going to be brutally tough, but I can put you in touch with some people in your part of the world that I know are doing remarkable things. And at one point in life, we're at, we're at, we're at, and now he's been using his phone as a resource. And that was the whole point of that message. You know, we have a computer in our hand today that is incredibly powerful. If you want to use your imagination, you could literally educate yourself and you can literally meet people like you. You can meet people that you and I both know from LinkedIn. I've made so many remarkable friends on that platform, for instance, I would never have met had I not put myself out there and made myself available. So I know for a fact these little things work. And my whole point is you can wait around for somebody that's making all these promises. But I have my concerns about that predicated on historical precedents where those promises often end very badly. And so... Kind of a warning too to some extent i guess roger sure no it's it certainly is and man i uh i can't help to think that out of that and out of those couple of examples you gave it's something i think about often and that is really what is our our purpose here on earth mm -hmm. what are we here truly for obviously we want to have a good life we want to support our family but isn't it really to help others isn't that the ultimate duty you know, for me, it is. And I think, you know, again, I'm older, you know, I'm in my 50s now. So, you know, you get to a point where you've been blessed with so much success. I've been blessed. I've been in business for almost four, 40 years, you know, and it's been a lucrative uh, business, you know, that was profitable since its inception. And I funded it myself with my credit card. So mm -hmm. it's hard enough to build a business. But when you fund it yourself and refuse to take any outside investment, and build your business based on sales and becoming a proficient salesperson, that's even harder. And you're really defying the odds then. And I encourage people to do that because now the equity that I own, I can disperse that to my key people that have made 
this journey for me so enjoyable and have made it possible. And there's no better feeling than handing that equity over to people whose life you just made instantly better and now who continue to fortify your success and they pass that good fortune on to other people. I mean, this organization that I'm part of, it's hard for people, you know, we, we work with some big companies and anytime they're exposed to my teams, I get phone calls all the time. I can't believe how efficient, how focused, how determined, how motivated, how respectful, how kind and considerate your whole team is. And it's just, that's part of the joy. And then little conversations and people like that, that I meet, that I've shared with you, you know, that is really part of uh, the journey for me. And that's really what is behind the anatomy of success brand at this point in my life. I mean, I could have sailed off in the sunset uh, four years ago and sat in the Maldives for six months out of the year because I worked hard. I deserve it. And, um, but then my father passed away and I said, man, life is short. It's really, uh, so I developed a sense of urgency and also this relationship with mortality that I always had, but it was kind of expedited, I guess, this, this sense of relief, you know, seeing both my parents pass away and my brother, who was my best friend, passed away. You know, I've had a lot of loss and people have asked me, it's funny, Roger, I've had people reach out to me, your videos are so positive and upbeat, but I want to see you know, more of your vulnerabilities and more of your sadness. And it's like, I'm not the guy for that. Okay. I know there's plenty of people that want to offer you that. I'm not that guy. I've been through lots of stuff. Trust me. Um, you don't get to a place in life where you can speak to these things, you know, intelligently if you haven't had those experiences. But at the same time, I don't feel compelled to dump my trauma on people and ruminate about my past uh, horrors and experiences. It's unnecessary. Just trust that I've been through some rough spells like you have. And what I'm here to do is be that voice of encouragement, uplifting, positive, uh, optimistic message that can help you appreciate that each and every day we have a choice and that choice is uh, contingent upon getting up and deciding what you want to do. And we have a myriad of choices at our disposal today. And we can sit back and wait for somebody to throw us a lifeline or we can say, no, I'm going to take... Um, the initiative to do this myself and learn to trust my own judgment and learn to trust my own motivation that I'll create internally and rely on that instead of having to get up each and every day and wait for some opportunity that's going to fall into my lap and change the complexion of my life. And so I, I live my life like that. And I want people to understand that, you know, this life is precious and whatever you believe in, that's fine by me, but believe in something bigger than yourself because when we just believe that we're the primary source of our you know, intelligence and good fortune, and I think you're seeing a lot of that in our country today, we have a large group of people that really don't have a belief system outside themselves, Roger. And it's sad because I can see it almost instantaneously in a person where they don't have anything inspiring them that makes them look at themselves in the mirror each and every day and say, man, I might be accountable for this stuff someday, my choices that I make. I might have to be on the line what I've done here. I might have to, you know, look my kids in the eye or my friends and, you know, take uh, inventory for the decisions that I made. And um, if you believe in something bigger than yourself, to me, that creates some of that humility. And again, you know, this is part of my um, spiritual um, exercise every day. You know, however you relate to whatever it is you believe in, um, that's fine. If you go to a church, that's fine if you um, worship online or whatever it is. But for me, you know, among other things, this is my this is my um, place where I find that connection each and every day. 
And through that connection, I discover uh, humility. I really do. I get grounded each and every day because I'm reminded out here that we're just a speck and we're so temporary. We're on this planet for such a short period of time. And this stuff out here has been here for hundreds of years. And some of these formations for thousands and tens of thousands of years on the other side of this bluff. And so it's just, it's a great thing. And, and so that's kind of where I come at it from, you know, and, um, and my hope is that people extract from those messages. I'm not, um, you know, trying to simplify your journey or suggest your obstacles aren't real or the impediments that stand before you aren't insurmountable at times. I know everybody has different um, challenges. Some of us start at the bottom of the mountain with the rocks wrapped around our neck and we have to make the ascent though. Some of us start halfway up the mountain. We got to push and we still have to make it up and we still have to keep going. So it doesn't really matter where you start, <laughs> you know, because at the end of the day, it's irrelevant because if you want to get there, you still got to go. Hmm. And it doesn't matter how much of a push you got, how much leverage you had at the beginning. We have to step back and say to ourselves, okay, if I want to make this climb, I can wait around and have a team of people hoist me up or take the helicopter, which always seems appealing, but I can promise you it's that grind up the hill that gives you the calluses and the experience and the perspective and all the things you need to have so that when you get up there, you can look around and say, wow, this climb was worth it. And I got further to go and I'm still going to be a humble, decent human being that never takes for granted the good fortune that I have, especially living in a country like this. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Roger, when you travel around the world and you see, and I tell people, before you complain too much and protest too loudly, go spend some time in India, go spend some time in a Caribbean third world country, go spend some time any place where life isn't quite so easy. And then ask yourself, why is it everybody's trying to get here if it's so horrible? Because I can tell you firsthand, um, it's not. <laughs> and there's a reason why these people are risking their lives to come here because they know they're not stupid, that they have a greater opportunity here to see their dreams materialize. And I still believe in that. And I'm sure you do too. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. And I've had, you know, the fortune of traveling abroad uh, to a lot of places as well. And yeah, I mean, unless you see it, sometimes it's really hard to understand exactly what you have um they say the grass uh isn't always greener right so um that statement rings true but wow steve you said so much there um you know just i, I really appreciate the way you frame that to use a reference of the mountain because we are all on this journey and we're at different places on this life mm -hmm. journey uh, some of us never stumble upon you know um these types of um causes or i guess uh how do i want to frame it um personal growth if you will where they're just living in you know going through the motions rather than really inner uh reflecting on themselves and who they want to be and 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 what they want to eventually accomplish in this world so i appreciate all of that framing um but let's let's jump into anatomy of success i know that's your brand uh it's your podcast it's your book i mean it's everything where did that come from i love the name can you give us a little bit of reference of how that came to be you know i after my father passed away i started reflecting because so many people ask me 
you know, I work out with some professional athletes and they're always amazed each and every day when we're in the gym, my intensity level and my commitment and my energy. And people have asked me for so many years, you know, where does this motivation, this inspiration come from? And it's hard to articulate. And so I started to think about that and wanted to come up with some ideas that were relatable to people in a very simplistic way so that regardless of where you're at on that scale of intensity or motivation, you could at least relate to some of the basic principles that you could tap into to maybe increase the prospects of enjoying some more happiness in life. And I truly believe that there's some basic things we can focus on that give us the opportunity each and every day to invite more happiness into our life. And it's better health. It's my four tenets of equanimity. It's better health. It's better relationships with our friends, our family. It's better intimate relationships with your partner, whatever those relationships look like for you and more satisfying work. And there's so many people that dismiss work that it's not that important and it's just a job. And for me, I get so much benefit from my work because work is so much more meaningful than just a job or a source of income or a desire to make a lot of money. It's a vocation. It's professional ebullience. It's this desire uh, to make the most out of the talents I have and affect those people around me and collectively come together to create this remarkably successful thing that benefits everybody. It's a community, it's a family. And as we're all striving together to do the things we do well separately, but together we merge together. It's like this common heartbeat that drives this organization that's become you know, family for all of us. And it's just so fun to be a part of that. And my hope is other people learn to discover that for themselves. And I know for a fact that that's not the case for most people as you do, because all the research shows that over 70 plus percent of all working adults, not only in America, but internationally are dissatisfied with their jobs. And that's, there's a lot of explanations for that. A part of what I want to try to do is help people tap into improving that. So again, that's what this brand is about. It gives me a plethora of topics to discuss each and every day because it touches on so many aspects of our life. And it's things that I've done. I made health priority number one at 15. And I swear by my life, Roger, that was the single most important decision of my life. I got into, I was into hockey. I was a captain on the hockey team. I was a professional kickboxer by the time I was 17. And my workouts ever since then, I trained just like I did back then every single day. I've already worked out three hours today, you know. And, and I just, I go, 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 go. And it's that energy and that mental toughness. And you see a lot of people talk about mindset and toughness. And it's like, I can tell immediately, you know, whether somebody really has that and they're practicing it just by their disposition and how they articulate their life and share their stories. And, you know, and I'm not criticizing anybody, but you got to be careful about who you follow and the advice that you take, because there's a lot of folks just regurgitating stuff, you know, read a book and share Here's find your why and let's form a tribe. And then I always try to look at the danger of those things. And there's dangers in all those things because they're simple ideas that unless we step back and examine the efficacy of those things and also appreciate, you know, the implications in our personal life, we don't really, um, you know, uh, understand how that could be harmful or what the real benefits might in fact be. And I know for a fact, these four things that I talk about are super, super simple, and it's tough to argue with it. If you've had a healthy, intimate relationship, you know what I'm talking about. You know the joy and satisfaction that you have. You know that the effort and time you put into that is worth it, especially if you have a partner that reciprocates your efforts. You know if you're a person that makes health top priority what I'm talking about because you've seen the benefits in your own life. 
about being in shape, having a strong immune system, so that every time something surfaces that demands treatment, maybe prevention would be your best bet. And I sure hope we get to a point soon where we can start having a conversation about that in our country instead of focusing on everything else we're focusing on. It's like, hey, my advice, since 80% of all people that are struggling with this bad thing that we're dealing with right now, I'm telling you, invest in your health. You'll never, ever, ever regret it. Build a strong immune system. Is it a guarantee? But you'll spend less time living in fear, worrying about some arbitrary thing that might get you and pull you down. And um, you'll spend more time focused on doing everything you can to try to make yourself stronger in the event that something like that should happen. Again, at the same time, you know, work. Anybody that's made work uh, something that's important and made their work meaningful for the purpose of impacting other people. You know what I'm talking about. Anybody that ditched the idea that I'm in this just to make a ton of money because I want a bunch of sports cars and want to live this great life that I can profile on social media in favor of I want to do something substantive with my life and do something meaningful with my work and make a difference. You know what I'm talking about. You know how that transition feels and the kind of joy that you derive from that when you make that transition. You also know that when you put your kids and your family first and your friends first and invest in those relationships, the joy and the satisfaction that you get out of that. Those are the things that we're talking about, Roger. And I think it's super simple. And that's why I like it, because it gives people four things they can focus on each and every day. And I promise you, you'll never look back and say, oh, what a waste of time that was. What a bad idea to invest time in my kids. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I've got, my kids are 23 and 21, we're best friends. And I'm so proud to be able to say it's my greatest accomplishment because I took the time to go to the basketball games, the gymnastic meets, to listen, to walk with my daughter each and every day out here when she was in high school in her first two years in college and build a friendship now that we're best friends. And my son, who's this super successful 23-year-old entrepreneur who's out there just destroying it in life, who's married, who's a great husband, you know, and, um, you know, that to me is the real joy. I can tell you firsthand because, you know, my kids, to me, when you have succeeded in that area of your life, there's nothing more satisfying, you know. Powerful, Steve. Look, I mean, oh, it's we're, we're, we're so similar in a lot of ways. You're a little bit ahead of me in life as far as age, but not too, too much. Hey, um, now, Roger, come on. <laughs> we, we, we know that's not true, and it's okay. And I'm a younger, better looking man. I'll be 52 this year. I'll be 52 this year. <laughs> I am older than you. <laughs> but but what I think about, like the things you just said, those are things that I think about. And because we were very particular about the way we raised our children. Now they're 15 and 19. Right. So just before this interview, I'm thinking, OK, I need to spend some time with my son today. It's Saturday. I'm not going to have too many Saturdays left with him while he's in high school. Mm. So those things are important. Um, so I'm so glad you said it. Um, but the other thing is your, your four traits. Um, I was going to say, too, it's simple. It's almost too mm -hmm. simple, but it's true. Those are the four most important things that we should be thinking about all the time. And I, I love the way you frame it up, because if it's top of mind, those four things every single day, and that's your focus, then you have a pretty good chance of um, really succeeding in those areas versus not thinking of them at all. 
Well, I mean, it's it's a call to action. I had a person reach out to me a year ago, and I'll never forget this conversation. He was pretty persistent, and I finally said, "Okay, let's." You know, you know how it is. You get the hey, can we chat? And it's like, no, I'm not. I don't want to chat. I mean, I'm sorry, but you know, time is precious, and every person that wants to read out, reach out just to chat, um, can't do that. You know, I give a lot, as do you, and take it as a gift and use it as you will to your benefit. But on top of that, please don't get greedy and ask for a whole lot of extra time complimentary because I just don't have it because you know where my focus is at. I just spelled it out for you. And those four things take up my time each and every day. And that's my business, my family, my friends, my health. And um, so this particular individual at least had a very interesting way of approaching me and they were persistent. And so I asked and talked, but at the end of that quick conversation, it was very apparent they didn't want to make the commitment because the ultimate objective was I want to get here as quickly as possible. I want to get from here to being successful and making a lot of money. And that kept coming up in the conversation. And that's an instant turnoff for me, Roger, because, you know, I just, you and I both know that's just not how it works. Anybody we both know, know that it is a arduous endeavor that takes every ounce of your energy. And so there's no quick way to achieve that, to make it last. And also, you know, I, I guess for me personally, one of the things I'm so grateful for because it's hard and I'm grateful that it's hard is I learned that, you know, you start out, you fund a business by yourself, you build it up and then some life challenges come up, you know, and you have to deal with those things and financially it's expensive. And then you come back and build it up 10 times better and bigger and stronger, even though the whole time it was profitable and you finesse through those tumultuous times just fine. But there's a humility that you develop through that process that most leaders never get the luxury of understanding. I've worked with, you know, people in my business who inherit mom and dad's radio stations and I don't work with them anymore. And I'm not saying that's all the people because there's been several, but their attitude is just very different because they don't know the sacrifice the parents made. They take it over. There's a sense of entitlement, selfishness there that translates to the type of individual that I just refuse to work with at this point in my life. I don't have enough time. And so it comes back to the no thing. We have to say no. Like Warren Buffett said, just about everything if you want to be successful in these four areas of your life. And it's not selfish. It's it's not uh, mean-spirited. It's honest. And I think a lot of people just don't understand the honesty in that. When somebody reaches out and says, hey, can we chat? And I say, no, don't have time. My schedule is fully committed. And they look at you like, oh, what a jackass. It's like, okay. Or you could look at it like he was honest. I appreciate that. That person was honest because he's not the quintessential BSer that said, hey, yeah, sure, let's do that. And then kept putting it off, putting it off or whatever. Or said, you know, um, I'm honest because I'm not going to take my time to invest in something that I don't believe is consistent with where I'm headed. And if I meet somebody that I don't feel is willing to go there along with me and speak the same language, then I'm afraid there's a big enough disconnect there that might constitute me having to put up a boundary and say, you know, I'm not your person. I don't think on this journey that you're on. And Steve, can you just give us a quick example? So how do you decipher between yes and no? So let's just use this show as an example. You didn't have to agree to this today. Uh, so you made the conscious decision. Yes, I will I will do an interview. How, how do you 
disseminate between what you focus your time on? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll use this example in particular, Roger. You know, you and I have developed a relationship and it's largely based on you giving and being generous and kind and supporting my community. So when you reach out to me and ask me to do something for you, the answer is always yes, because you've demonstrated to me you're that kind of person. And that's the kind of person I want to be involved with. And I'm just being honest with you. Oh, that's you know, awesome. Because, because I, get, I got nine other requests too, sure. all from people that never spend a minute of their time you know, supporting a comment on a post I made. It's not about me. I want to see the people on my post get the visibility that I'm hopefully creating for them so that somebody finds out about their business. I could, if social media went away tomorrow, I'd miss you guys. I love you guys. But my business goes on. Not a dime of my revenue, I'm happy to say, is contingent to find anything I do in social media. Now, does my brand benefit? Of course it does, because it was a premeditated, you know, thing to put ourselves out there and do the work we're doing in an effort to help people discover what it is that we do. But, you know, my revenue does not depend on social media. So what I'm doing at this point in my life is hoping to find that next generation of people that are eager to jump on board so that maybe they start the next Amazon and actually run up the right way and treat people well, compensate them well, run an organization, you know, some integrity. And, uh, and and be kind to people and cultivate their talent. And, and you know, I, I read an article yesterday which you would appreciate that talked about how many bosses are pushing back on people's desire to work from home. They want them at the office. And I'm sure you can conclude, like I concluded, what I concluded after I read that. Because it smells an awful lot like control. Oh, yes. You need to be Micro. in control. I don't trust you and I don't have any confidence that you're going to do what's in my best interest. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but we don't want to have these difficult conversations because we got big leaders bloviating all the time because they read 50 books a year. And I hear that statistic constantly. I read 60 books a year. The only difference is I apply it each and every day to the people <laughs> that I work with. You know? That's great. So, Steve, I have a quiz for you right now. So when I comment on your post, what do I always do? <laughs> Well, you're, you're, you're always complimentary and you know, you're, you're always direct and to the point. You're like, I am. I mean, I try to be very, um, you know, unless I'm missing something. No, well, I was going to say, is there, is there a symbol that I like to use when I come? Yes. <laughs> I, when I think about you, it's, I think about America. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So look, you've been so gracious with your time. Speaking of time, uh, before I let you go, I did want to know a little bit about your mobile app that Weatherology is developing. Can you share a little bit about that and when you expect that to be live? Well, you know, the app is up now. It's in the App Store. You can get it on Google Play. Um, the app itself, we just launched less than a year ago. And the audio feature in the app, we're the only weather app in the world that does real-time audio in real time. So it's real meteorologists translating text in real time. So it's like Siri or Alexa, but it's real human voices. And so it's the technology that drives that. That's the AI that drives our radio network and that we're working on high level integration agreements with some of the biggest companies in the world to do some pretty remarkable things. But the app will become evolved. And my hope is that will become a, a digital platform that people learn to 
really rely on because it is that real-time audio. It's a real meteorologist instantly telling you what's going on with the hurricane, tornadoes. And at the same time, we'll be integrating our team into that experience. And there's really very few apps out there. I can think of two out of the 25,000 weather apps that actually have real meteorologists that are creating the content and doing it originally based on their original forecast. So a lot of the apps are just built by developers that just happen to disseminate weather information. And for me, it's kind of like, uh, you know, if I was going to get a medical app, I'd sure hope the doctor created it and actually knew what they were talking about. <laughs> That's great. We will, uh, we will definitely be taking a look at that app and um, I can't wait to view it on my phone itself. So Steve, uh, before I let you go, one last question. And well, before I say that, I would love to do a follow-up interview, but in person sometime, because I would love to meet love you. It. I'd love to bring my set and uh, we'll, you know, that's my promise to you that we'll do that in the future if you're willing to do it. So I'll save some of my other questions for that time. But um, look, welcome to the American Real family. I so appreciate you coming on today. You dropped tremendous amount of value and I cannot wait to share this with our audience. No, I appreciate it, Roger. And I look forward to that interview and I'm going to hold you to it. You shouldn't have shared that with me unless you mean it. I mean it. You bet. <laughs> okay, good. Thanks, Roger. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review, as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle, or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy, where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.